Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Warning. The cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the tri- for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Hey everybody. This is Jeremy with the Man Apart Podcast. This is going to be episode 35. Titled, 1800 Years to Life, Christopher Bennett. So I have a lot of people that reach out to me that I reach out to as well, especially on TikTok and other social media. One particular individual was Christopher Bennett's mama, Libby Aylstock. She reached out to me with a similar message. I've seen her reach out to other creators on there for as well to share her son's story, which was basically my son is serving 1800 years for protecting his sister from a monster. Now I'm paraphrasing that. And Miss Libby, I'm sorry that I didn't memorize the exact phrase and wording to a T, but that's pretty much the gist of it. And when she mentioned Christopher Bennett, I've heard of this story from multiple people all the way out here in the Baton Rouge area. And talking to other people, you know, outside of the podcast as well. So I was going to do a, a solo episode on this particular case. But I was glad that his mom reached out to me and we've been talking for a while. And when she shared with me stuff that was not covered in these stories, like on the Dr. Phil show, like in the papers, it shocked me. It was very shocking. There was details that just didn't make any sense whatsoever that should have been in trial. That should have brought some type of doubt to the jury's mind. Because of the fact is, is that you have to listen to the interview to hear some of the details as well. I'm not going to spoil it for any of y'all. But I interviewed Miss Libby, and she's just a salt-of-the-earth type of woman who's just fighting for her son. The only son, I think, or one of her other sons have actually passed away when he was 10. And so Chris, at 18, he was given a choice by the DA. It was either go to trial and face the death penalty or go to life in prison. That way your mom doesn't have to bury another son. That was told to him. 
And that infuriated me. That is why a lot of people don't have faith in our justice system. That's why a lot of people have a lot of angst toward our justice system. Because Chris Bennett was trying to protect his mama. And then when he saw what happened to his what happened to his childhood and his mind replay as he was seeing his stepfather hurting his sisters, he blacked out. And things went from bad to worse. It has not been a good life for Chris. He's been in prison longer than he's been than he was alive on earth at the time that he was sent you know, at 18 years old. He's been in prison for over 19 years now. His mama is trying to fight hard for him and still is every single day. I have a circle of friends on TikTok and I see their videos and even new videos I see and his mama is constantly putting the same message out there in the comment sections. Some of you who are probably listening to this podcast that know me from TikTok probably have those same messages as well. All I can say is that we need to fight for Chris. And you need to listen to this interview so you can hear the story. And so, without further ado, here's my interview with Miss Libby Alstock. Libby, can you hear me? I can hear you now. All right. I must have been something on my end. Sorry about that. So, how have you been this morning? Pretty good this morning. Okay. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're having a good day. So, I want to talk about, you know, your son, Chris Bennett, and uh, his story and everything like that. I know you reached out to me on TikTok, as well as a lot of people I've seen you reach out to in my uh, in my circle of friends I've seen, and uh, you, you know, even though all his appeals have been, you know, used up and everything, you're still fighting hard to get him freed. And I've heard about his story from other people all the way down here in the Baton Rouge area. And I can understand why anybody would want to free everybody that I've ever talked to says he doesn't deserve to be locked up. And so, uh, let's just tell, let's just tell his story and we're just going to go from there. How did it all start? With it all st- well, it all started when. Me and their well, stepfather split up. Yeah. He had gotten custody of the three girls because at that time I wasn't working. I didn't have a house, no vehicle, nothing. Yeah. Uh, so he ended up with custody of the three girls. Uh, I was going to go back to court to get friends. And this guy actually offered to pay Chris to go into court and lie, stating that I was living with some guy who was doing drugs, so I couldn't get the girls on weekends. Yeah. During this time, you know, the I would yeah, I'd be able to get the girls off of the bus. We had police out there because one of them had strike marks across her back. She said her dad had beat her. Uh, had another one that when we called the police out there, she told him that her daddy was messing with her. Child Protective Services would not do anything. They kept saying it was unfounded. Uh, so this night, when all this happened, uh, the guy had told Chris, you know, he would, 
well, he'd offered to pay him. And yeah. Chris told him, yeah, he figured he would get the money and show the judge what kind of a guy he was dealing with. But when he told the guy that he got the subpoena for court, the guy had already showed him the check was written out. He uh, told him, well, then he wasn't going to pay him. If Chris didn't lie in court, he was going to get him for perjury and have him put in jail. Chris was 18 and figured, well, if I'm going to jail, I'm getting my money. So early the next morning, I guess about 4.30, 5 o'clock, he broke into the house to get the check. And he took a gun with him. And he had one bullet that was in his pocket. Yeah. And the guy that he he took that just to scare the guy because he was uh, about 400 pounds. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Chris walked in and said he heard somebody talking. So he had stopped there in the hallway and he was getting ready to leave. And that's when he heard his youngest sister crying and telling her dad to stop. And he peeked around the corner and I take it. He must've made some kind of noise because the man had gotten up and walked out to the living room. And Chris said, he don't remember shooting me. Yeah. So he left and he checked on the kids. It scared him when he said he realized the guy was dead. So he, uh, saw the guy's checkbook. He grabbed it and checked on the girls and then left. Uh, there, there were some things on that case that I remember we, we spoke about and everything too. Um, when he when, when, when he left after he left and they investigated and everything like that, they said that Chris had like some type of rifle. It was like a seven millimeter or something like that. It was. Yes. And, but the, but the, but the ballistics though on that case said that, uh, the stepfather, he got shot with a small caliber uh, bullet and a uh, and a shotgun slug yeah, or shell or something a, like that. It said on the autopsy that he was shot with a shotgun and a pistol. Yeah, uh, Chris had a seven millimeter rifle. And they never put that in the court at all. No, no. Yeah. And then Chris had his uh, psychological evaluation, and the doctor said that. At that point in time, after Chris had been through the same thing with that same man when he was younger, that there was no way he could have stopped himself from what was going on because he had went into some kind of an episode. I don't even know what they call it, but he had no clue what he was doing. And at that time, he couldn't help it. Uh, And that was not brought up in the court. His lawyers had that two weeks prior to the case and never said a word about it. Wow. When so when they when they were interrogating Chris, I remember we were talking about it and everything as well. They uh they gave him a they gave him a very very brutal ultimatum. Uh, they told him that either he can confess or make the plea deal to the murder and everything like that, and to the other two charges, breaking and entering and, and stealing, and they would give him life for each of those uh, sentences. I mean, each for the each of those crimes and everything. It was like six hundred years apiece, or they basically told him that if he didn't, if he didn't plead guilty and he went to trial, they'd go for the death penalty, and within six months he'd be dead. Yeah, because they had a, they, had, they had an air shut case on him. And then, what what else did they tell him about? You know, 
like like well what they had why told he made him, that decision. What they had told him was he would sign a plea for one life term and that he would be eligible for parole after 25 years. Chris had never been in trouble before. None of us even knew that parole had been taken off the table in Virginia. Yeah. So when Chris, right before Chris started to go to court, they started him on Seroquel about two weeks before he started to go to court. And yeah. when Chris got in the courthouse, uh, they gave him three life terms, but they did tell him either take the plea or he would get the death penalty. The death penalty wasn't even on the table, and we didn't even know that. So he took the plea, and they gave him three life sentences that, that in Virginia was 600 years apiece. Jeez. Yeah. And when Chris told him that during the court hearing, Chris told his lawyer he didn't want to accept that plea, the uh, lawyer said okay and left and came back and told Chris, he said, if you don't take the plea, you're going to get the death penalty. And I don't think your mother could handle burying another child. Now, I had lost yeah. a kid when he was 10 years old to a heart transplant. And they were using that against him to get him to sign this plea. Do you think the lawyer was working in conjunction with the DA and all that as well? Or uh, was he a public oh, defender? Oh, I know he was. Yeah. I know he was because when the judge asked... <clears throat> his attorney, if he had anything to say, and the guy said no, they had no defense. No defense. Otherwise, he would have brought up everything. Wasn't, uh, wasn't also the, the stepfather, uh, uh, wasn't he also the one, didn't he also hurt Chris as a child as well? He did, and I didn't realize that until after all this had happened. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he, I think he actually had hurt all of them. And Chris is the only one that actually walked in on it. We all knew yeah. it was going on, but nobody could prove it was going on. You know, the Why police you... had pictures. Yeah. Uh, they tried three or four times, and, he, and the police officers told me. Uh, CPS wouldn't even look at the pictures. The uh, bus driver that drove them to school and back turned him into Child Protective Services. And they told him that it was already unfounded for him just to let it go. Do you think he had connections with anybody at CPS or, or in town I, or anything like that? He had to have. That's the only thing I can yeah. figure. Yeah. I think I remember you telling me he was kind of a, kind of a respected guy in town and everything as well, right? He was. He was on the rescue squad and everything else. Plus, he was a state employee. Uh, he was a manager who worked at uh, Woodrow Wilson Rehab Center. So he had, so he had at the very least a few connections and everything as well. People that yeah knew that didn't know him in his personal life, but knew him in, in his public life. Yeah. And he was able to keep getting away with things because he knew he probably knew what to say and knew what knew what not to say as well oh yeah yeah it was like dr jekyll and mr hyde he was one way at home but when he got out in public he was a perfect person so i guess chris in his mind didn't want to see his sisters go through what he went through growing up and everything with him well from what he said he didn't realize 
that the girls were going through that until he broke in there that night. Yeah. And once he did, uh, he just couldn't handle it. Yeah. I think that's a lot, a lot of, a lot of repressed memories, a lot of different feelings that come up like that. And yeah, you black out in those situations. And I mean, it, it seemed like the case was never handled properly for one thing. Um, but then you had later on, I think what a, what a year or two ago, a couple of years ago, Dr. Phil got involved with y'all as well. Right. Yes. How, yeah, did, that, uh, how did that all turn out? I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen the interviews online and everything like that, that y'all had. Um, what, what was it like the ap- after all that? Well, it got word out about Chris. Yeah. So we ended up with a lot more followers. Uh, we tried to get Governor Northam to grant him a pardon, but Chris had been, Chris had done a pardon in 2018. In August of 21, uh, the parole board turned him down. They denied his pardon. They didn't give him a reason. So Governor wait, Northam wait. really had no papers to sign off on for him. So the governor tried to give him a pardon. I don't know whether he tried or not. We tried to get him right. to. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't work. So now we're trying with Governor Youngton. Gotcha. Wow. So that so they denied him the ability to be to be released. Just seems yeah. like it was fumbled from from the beginning and everything like that. What so did did they give y'all a lawyer? Uh, after the Dr. Phil show and everything as well? They did. Uh, Adam Carroll was supposed to help us with the case. And he quit the firm he was with. Uh, so that didn't pan out. And we hired Arrington Law out of Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah. To help with his appeal and anything he needs. I gotcha. What's... um. And he and so he already went through all of his appeals processes and everything like that as well now. Yes. Yeah, he exhausted all of those years ago. See, Chris gotcha. has been in prison now nineteen years. Wow. He's been in prison longer than he was free. <laughs> yeah. What uh what's life been like for uh Chris in prison? Huh. Not fun. Yeah. Uh but he has helped out a lot of people in there. Uh, one guy got out here a few years ago that lives here in Covington. Gotcha. And his family said they would support Chris till the end because without Chris's help in there with, with their family member, he would have come right back out and got right back into drugs. Yeah. But because of Chris's influence, he's out and he's doing really good now. That's good. Uh, now, Chris had fines and court costs and stuff. And he paid all that off by himself back in 2013. So he doesn't owe any fines or court costs or anything for any of this. So how how, did he, how was he able to pay them all off? Just through his, his prison job or help well, in, the, in the community? No, or? he had... He had uh, 
my aunt died and he had gotten, he was in her will. So the money he got, he told me to take it and pay off all of his fines and court costs with it, which facing yeah. a life sentence, you know, he really didn't have to. You know, he, is, he had no reason to uh, go ahead and pay everything off. Yeah. How's his treatment with other prisoners and guards there in, in the prison as well? How, 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 how have they treated him since he's been in there? They actually treat him really well. Uh, yeah, he's he's respected by him in there. I mean, he he won't lie to him. He talks to him straight up. Uh, and yeah, he's gotten into a few little things in trouble in there, but nothing real yeah. major. Yeah, I mean, so, that, that, yeah, that, I mean that's prison. I, from everybody that I've ever spoke to that's been in prison, I've never been myself. Um, but I had family, I've had friends, I've been in there. You're you're gonna get into fights. You're gonna get into to different kinds of things uh, as an inmate or as a convict. And um, it's gonna, it's bound to happen. I mean, it's all, it's a very brutal well, place to be in. Well, wasn't fights. What's they got yeah. him for? Uh, making wine. <laughs> making wine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to uh, pass time up in there, though, for sure. I mean, hell, oh, you yeah. ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, it's not, it's not a, there's not, a, there's not a big emphasis on, uh, on trying to, trying to re- rehabilitate. Uh, prisoners and everything like that. No, so they don't. No, go not in Virginia. No, no not anywhere. Chris has taken. Chris has taken every class he can take in wow. there. Yeah, that's offered. So if he does ever get out, he can. Uh, he'll be able to get a good job. Yeah. Um, what's but so? What's life? Even the guards, so- you know, don't. The guards like him. They don't think he should be in there. Uh, so that says a lot right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, for what he did and everything like that, I mean, because when I ever posted videos about him on TikTok or on Facebook or anything, everybody says the same thing. You know, he should be freed. Uh, some people even say he deserves a medal. Um, let let him go live his life. I mean, he he did what he did to protect his family. Uh, I mean, I mean, all of his intentions that that he had, everything he did was to was to protect his family. I mean, hell, that's what it started out as. Yes, but I'll admit, Chris, when he went in there that night, it was just to get that money because the guy was going to turn him. You know, told him if he didn't lie, he was going to have him put in jail anyways. So, uh, Chris was wrong. I know for breaking in. Chris was yeah. wrong for taking his checkbook. But the man was not killed during a robbery. And that's the way the state, you know, put it down to. Uh, and yeah. that's how he got capital murder. He wasn't killed during a robbery. He was killed during a molestation act. Yeah. So. And on top of that, wasn't even killed by the, by the rifle that Chris had. Yeah, I know. That's another thing. So, I mean possibility that the person that did kill Chris's stepfather is probably still living to this day or out, out and about in the free world. I mean, they, yeah. we don't, we don't know. Yeah. Chris told him, he said he had to have done it because he was the only one there. Uh, what we really don't understand is a lot in the uh, autopsy reports doesn't make sense. And even yeah. in the, uh, in the police report, well, not the police report, the interrogation report, that they had, you know, just makes no sense at all. Yeah. You know, he asked 
Chris when the guy turned to look at him and Chris said he didn't. But if that was the case, Chris would have shot him in the side of the head, not right between the eyes. Right. So there's got to be uh, something else there. <laughs> do your so do your daughters remember anything of that night as well? They do. They don't like talking about it, uh, but they have. Yeah. Uh, two of my daughters have been diagnosed with severe PTSD, yeah. uh, anxiety, and depression because of what happened. Uh, one turned to working constantly, and she does. She works her butt off on everything just yeah. to try to keep her mind off of it. I but you. it'll be you know, a certain smell or a certain sound and it'll take them right back. Yeah. So it's ruined do, them for life. <laughs> I mean, do, do they, when they, when they have talked about it, do they, do they remember another person being in there besides Chris and their stepfather? No, no, they don't remember any of it about that. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. They don't even go in the house there, but none of them heard the gunshot. Hmm. And if they did, they blocked it out. Yeah. Oh, wow. They said that, I know the girls have said that, and I didn't really know this part. Uh, my oldest daughter has three little boys. And yeah. here about three years ago, three or four years ago, her oldest one came to her. It was the middle of summer. And he came to her and he was so excited. You know, there's lightning bugs out back. And he grabbed her arm and he said, come on, mommy, come on, let's go outside. And she said, okay, for what? And he said, I want to catch lightning bugs. And she just flipped. She, I mean, she literally went into a panic because that brought everything back. That's the way he decided who was going to be with him that night was they got to catch fireflies with him. Oh, wow. So she can't, you know, that's ruined her. She can't even do that for her own kids because of him. Yeah, I know it. It breaks my heart that the, you know that, that that kids go through this these type of things and the I mean just the heinous acts that, that these monsters do and the scars that and they're behind at, that last forever. They're good at hiding it. I mean, I had yeah. no clue this was going on. When I did find out it was going on, I tried everything under the sun to get them girls away from there. I even told the state to put them in foster care until they found out what was going on. Yeah. And they would not do it. I, that, that just, it, 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 it doesn't surprise me because, you know, Miss Livy, I, I cover a lot of stories. I, I've, I've seen a lot of stories now where they just get mishandled so badly. And uh, I mean, sometimes purpose, purposeful fully as well to where, it just makes you makes you wonder, like what, like what, what are they smoking, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I know. Because yours ain't yours is not an unusual story either. That this happens all over the country and everything. It just the only reason that it became unusual or or, or stands out there is because of the coverage that Chris got from you know Doctor Phil and a bunch of other people on social media talking about. It. I mean, hell, I, I live all the way out here in the Baton Rouge area. And I never even saw the Dr. Phil episode. I just had about four or five people when I started my podcast telling me about Chris's story and everything. And I was like, what? And I remember writing it down and I was going to do it. I was going to research it and do a solo episode. And 
just so happened I made a TikTok about somebody else's story and you popped up on there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think what I mean, makes Chris is so bad is he got 1,800 years. Yeah, and most that, serial killers don't even get that amount of time. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, because it was like the the story that was told to me was that you know this guy got 1,800 years for uh for killing his uh dad while you know he he was molesting his sister and everything. I was like, what the hell? And it, yeah. it, it you know it, it you know like anybody else they they'd be wondering well, why the hell is that you know wh- why that happened like it is and then when I spoke to you on the phone about it and everything the the thing that got me the most that baffled me the most was the ballistics part of it as well yeah you know the fact that they still went ahead and prosecuted Chris knowing that Chris had a rifle in his possession with a bullet in his pocket. And that it was it doesn't even match any of the ballistics that was found in his stepfather or anything like that. Well, just, you know, they never found any. Did they? Did say, they never found the guns either. That belonged no, to the they, ballistics. They found the uh, rifle. Yeah. Uh, but that was because the boy that gave it to Chris, you know, told him that he was a rifle. Yeah. <clears throat> and he had took him down there. Uh, but they kept badgering this boy, and he was only seventeen. Yeah. About a pistol. Until finally the boy just told him, yeah, we had a pistol and threw it in the creek. But they didn't have a pistol. He was just trying to shut them up. Yeah. Uh, so they never did find a pistol. <laughs> um, and that boy still talks to, you know, he still talks to Chris and said he would do anything he can to help Chris. And he said he would do it again if he had to because they shouldn't have been put in that position to have to save those girls. Yeah. The state should have done it. Exactly. CPS should have went and stepped in and did a proper investigation. Yeah. And and to this day, they still don't. I mean, like to this day, there there are stories where CPS were refused to investigate allegations at all. Yeah. Um, most common thing that I've seen, most common thread, I guess I've seen or trend in it is is that it's because they they assume that it's just a, a bitter ex. Yeah. And everything like that. And there are stories of that where there are women that will actually or, or men that will call CPS on their on their ex to try to get an investigation done on them just out of spite. And for anybody that does that, I mean, that truly heinous people to do that because these stories don't ever get covered. You know, then these cases don't ever get covered properly. Yeah. When there's actual abuse going on. Yeah. That's the messed up part to it all. And I could see that. I can see, you know, people thinking that. I was working at Walmart in Stanton while this was all going on. And my boss asked me what was going on out at the house. And I asked her what she was talking about. And she said, well, if it was just coming from you, I would think, you know, that, yes, she's just mad. Yeah. She said, but this is coming from somebody else telling me that things are going on out there. And I said, well, it is. Nobody wants to do anything. So there was a lot of people who knew what was going on who was reporting it and CPS still didn't do anything. I know. Uh, I mean, cause you tell me the bus driver reported it. You reported it. Other people. I mean, it still baffles me. Do, do you, do you remember any, any of the caseworkers? Uh, no, I really don't. Uh, gotcha. Chris, Mike, he, I think he yeah. said, well, I'm not real sure of their names anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that, that was over you know, almost 20 years ago now. And, uh, it was a very long time ago. Some of them might even be retired by now. Yeah. But, um, man, that's just, 
it's a messed up case. And I can't believe that they allowed all that stuff in, that, that, or they excluded a lot of that stuff. I can't believe the lawyer didn't fight to, to, for the motion, file the motions to put it into, into evidence as well. That, it just, it does baffle me. Yes, it does. <laughs> so what is, uh, besides all the classes that he's taken and everything and, and helping his fellow prisoners out and everything, what else is Chris doing in prison right now? Well, he's, uh, he's working right now as maintenance. Okay. He was working, he was working as a tutor in the masonry department and they pulled him out of that last week. Because yeah. they needed him in maintenance. So, I mean, he's really good at what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a, uh, yeah, I, I, the, some of the, because I, I do listen to uh, prisoners that uh, are ex-cons that, that share their stories online as well and everything. I always heard that the maintenance uh, job is a pretty good job as well and gets you in a lot of places that other people can't get into. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a really good paying job, too, in the prison, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I think they so get forty-seven good. cents an hour. I mean, yeah, out here in the free world, that ain't much, but in prison, that's a lot. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it it would be, but in there, they're charging them more than what you get charged out here for stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, you, a, you, pair, you know, a I, pair of tennis shoes in there that we buy at Walmart for ten, fifteen dollars will cost them forty-five or fifty. Yeah, those little th those little uh little BS cheap made TVs that they uh that you could get for 20 bucks out here go for like 200 on commissary. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean a, a pack of noodles is like now what like 2 or 3 dollars now for like yeah. a pack of chicken chicken uh ramen noodle soup and everything and it's yeah. off brand ramen noodle. Oh yeah. Uh So is So what are you so how's life for you? Uh, like since the last couple of years, especially after Dr. Phil and everything like that, what's been going on on your end? Well, right after Dr. Phil show, uh, I ended up in the hospital. I had emphysema. I was diagnosed with emphysema. And since then, they found two spots on my lung. One is not cancer, but the other one they think is. So I'm going through radiation treatments now. Yeah. <laughs> I think Chris said his biggest fear was me ending up dying before he gets out. Yeah. So he's really been stressed out here the last couple of months. Well, there's good people in this world that want to see him freed. And I'm trying to find those people to unite us all together so that we can try to help you out and help him out as well. There's other people that, that, I've, that I've talked about on my TikTok channel. I haven't talked about on the podcast yet. And, uh, they're getting freed as well, or, or they're about to get parole as well. Uh, hopefully yeah. in the next few months, but there, um, and, and there's, you know, these cases just aren't unique just to Chris. I mean, th there are, there are plenty of cases out there where Chris, like, like circumstances like Chris was in that these other individuals are in as well. And that the law decided to just make an example out of them. Yeah. And to me, that's just wrong. It's just heinous. I mean, it's, it's a lot of manipulation on the DA side as well. That I've seen in these cases. Um, I don't understand why they'd want to make an example out of somebody like that and not try to help them. I haven't figured that yeah. one out neither. <laughs> no, but you know, there are people that want to fight for him. 
And I'm glad that you, as his mother, are fighting so hard for him. I see it all the time, Miss Libby. I see your comments a lot too, <laughs> on all these videos. That, that that I mean, just I'm scrolling through and I and I see it the same thing. You know, my son's been locked up for 1,800 years. You know, for uh for yeah. You know, rescuing his sisters and everything. I mean, like I see that all the time, and I, I see that you're just trying to get everybody and anybody to get you know to give him attention and, and to try to help fight for him and everything. Yeah. But yep. I mean, the the one way I know we can do is to get people rally together and and to just beg the governor, you know, for clemency. Yeah, because they can That's do the it. The only if they thing want we to. can do. Yeah, and they can do it if they want to. Oh, they just yes. have to have enough. They just have to have enough public pressure to do so. Yeah, yeah. But we are. We're going to fight what we're for, hoping for. Yeah. Well, I'm here for him. I'm going to fight for him. And, I and thank um, you. oh, no problem. And of course, uh, what, what's your TikTok channel's name again? I know it was uh, Libby Alstock or Alstock. Yeah, Alstock. A i l s t o c k. Yeah. And that's where, I, and you know, when I, when I heard about his story and, and I saw your channel and everything like that, I, I know, I know it's hard to try to learn how to operate, you know, some of these apps and everything like that, these social media platforms. And I tell anybody that's listening right now to go follow Miss Libby and to, and to help her out and to promote her, promote her channels. Cause you, your whole, your whole channel is full of just, you know, videos of Chris and wanting, wanting to fight for Chris yeah. and everything like that. That's the main part of your content. That's the whole part of your content. Yeah, and that's the fight that you have, and I'm I'm glad that you are fighting for him like that, and we're gonna fight for him too. But um, is there? What was I gonna ask you? I'm sorry, I, ha I have ADHD. The the thought left my <laughs> left my brain that quickly though. But is there anything else that was unusual or unique to that case that maybe we might have missed out on? Uh. Well, I know they never talked to the girls. Yeah. You know, they never did talk to them. Did they, they ever uh, say why? No. No, they didn't. Uh, I guess it was where they were so young because at the time they were five, seven, and ten. Yeah. Uh, but they never did talk to them. Uh, so the judge really never heard the most important parts of that case. Yeah. Did they ever uh, conduct CASA interviews for your daughters? Like no. uh, child advocate, child advocacy uh, interviews? No. No? No. And then when I did start getting the girls on weekends after all this happened, they told me that if I, uh, if I brought up anything that had happened, they would stop the visits. And if the girls brought it up, I had to tell them to be quiet. And that, and I told him I wouldn't do that because that would be telling him it wasn't important. Yeah. So. Good old American justice, huh? Oh, yes. It's a great system. The whole thing's messed up. It all needs to be redone. Yeah. And I, I mean, so when I, when I grew up and everything like that, I, I grew up like a lot of people did and probably like yourself as well, you know, believing that it, that it, that it works, that it's for the people and that it's supposed to protect us. And yeah, as, as I dig deeper and deeper into these stories and, and have these interviews and everything, I see that it's not, it's, it is a very corrupt system. It's a system that does not help give any justice to the victims at all. No, and it doesn't. 
and that the victims that it sees are the people that are monsters in this world, which, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that that justice is never done for people, but it's very small amounts that I've, that I've seen it actually work for, for actual victims and their families, you know? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Chris had never been in trouble, so we didn't realize that the lawyer wasn't working for Chris until yeah. it was too late. Uh, it just it baffles me that they would let that go like that. But I'm I'm assuming they probably didn't didn't think or ever take into account that it would ever that the story would ever blow up like this either, though, to where everybody no. would know about it across this country. And no, they the probably world. didn't. Oh. Well, all I know is this, though, Miss Libby, is that you're one hell of a mother. You are an awesome grandmother as well. And that we're going to continue to fight for Chris no matter what. Thank you. You're welcome. I love you for being on the podcast. I love you for sharing the story. And you know, I'm, and you know, I'm going to check in on you from time to time. If you don't hear from me, you check in with me as well. You have my number. Okay. Let me know how you're doing and everything like that. And if I, if you don't hear from me for a while, but, uh, you know, like I tell everybody that comes on, on these interviews, y'all more than an episode to me, you know, I, I love each and every single one of y'all. And, uh, I love the fight and the spirit that you have for your son. That really means a lot, you know, that, that you're doing that for him. And, uh, I'll do everything in my power. I'll raise up my platform to, to help get him freed as best I can. And I'll get other people who have bigger platforms to do the same thing. That, that you can take to the bank. Well, I thank you. And I really appreciate it. No problem. Well, I appreciate you getting on. I, I, I know you have them grandbabies to go take care of as well. And uh, we love you. And uh, I wish nothing but the best for you. And I'm going to keep fighting for Chris. And I wish the best for him too. All righty. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Miss Libby. All right. Oh. That was a good interview. She told a lot in that short amount of time. I want y'all to think if you had a family member in prison for trying to protect whether it's your daughters, your sisters, your nieces, your grandbabies, whatever the case may be. And there are people like that in prison. I'd hope that you'd want people to fight for him as well. Like we're fighting for Chris. Yeah, Chris didn't go about it the right way. But there's things that just did not line up with that court case. Where he, where in any way he deserved the amount of time he's served so far. Some might argue, well, the breaking and entering. Yeah. Maybe a year for that. Maybe. But you gotta think, Chris was 18 years old. He was told that if he lied in court, you know, on his mom, he'd get 750 bucks, and his stepfather would get custody of his sisters. I really believe in my heart that Chris did what he thought he could do. And I don't know all the trauma that he went through. I know, I mean, we know of it. We know the fact that his stepfather molested him stepfather hurt him in very heinous ways. His stepfather was a sick monster behind closed doors. I know that people that don't deal with those issues 
they don't deal with those traumas, things can happen. Such as Chris blacking out and then coming to and realizing that his stepfather's dead. But here's the thing, though. Chris had a rifle, a 7mm rifle. The bullet was in his pocket. The, 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 the shell, the, 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 the round, whatever you want to call it. It was in his pocket. His stepfather got killed with a shotgun blast and a small caliber bullet. Which he didn't have with him. Of course his friend got cornered. And when you go into interrogation with the police and everything like that. You're there for hours, upon hours, and it's not like in the in the movies and the TV shows where they they do everything the right way or even somewhat bend the rules. Sometimes they go if they know they can get away with some things, they'll get away with it. I'm not saying all cops are like that, and I'm this is not an anti-cop or anti-justice system rant or any type of channel like that. There are good cops that are out there. In fact, one of those good cops has actually inspired me to do this podcast. So. For anybody that wants to say that I, I just don't like police officers, you're full of shit. I think they have a I think they do have a hard job. I think there's a lot of corruption in a lot of different police agencies in this country, especially in our country. I think there are good cops out there. And for those that say, well, why don't they speak up? Well, it's like joining the mafia without knowing you're joining a mafia, right? You can't speak on the things that go on within that family. If you do, that's your ass. I didn't want to make this about the cops or anything like that, about the police officers. But my point about the interrogations is that they probably interrogated this guy for hours on hours on end. No bathroom breaks. Probably threatening him with all kind of jail time and, you know, talking about all the shit that's going to be done to him when he goes to prison. It, you know, and basically saying, "Hey, if you say this, if you let us know that this happened, you can just walk out of here." And that's what happened. A decision that his friend, Chris's friend later regretted because in the end it hurt Chris more than anything, didn't help him. But even he admitted that he lied about that, that there was another pistol. And even so, if there was another pistol, they threw in a creek where's the shotgun so there's questions about that Chris's psyche valve that was never brought in why didn't the lawyers bring that in just so many things a lot of unanswered questions but we do know that I think if anything Chris has served his time more so over Years, beyond years of serving the time that he should have served. I remember the days in this country where we had cases like Gary Ploche. Where he, on live TV, killed his son's rapist and groomer and molester on live television in 1984. And got his sentence suspended. Because, why? All of Baton Rouge was up in arms in the fact that they even charged that father with murder because of what happened to Jody Ploche, Gary's son. I miss those days. 
I miss those days where we the people could take care of the garbage like we need to. Because if more of that would happen, there'd be less likely of these crimes going on. My opinion, and my opinion only, and I could be wrong in my opinion. However, I know there's a lot of people that feel the same damn way I do about that. And look, we can always disagree about how we take care of these pedophiles, these child molesters, you know, the people that offend against children, I should say. Because there is a difference between pedophiles and molesters. I do know. We just call them pedophiles because it's easier to have one name for them than to sit there and call them all these other different names. Back in the day, they used to call them baby rapers. I think we should go back to that, but that's just me stuck in an, an old time, I guess. I will say, though, that despite whatever differences we have on how we should deal with them, I think we all can agree that we must protect all children, even if they're not our own. And I think we can all agree is that Chris Bennett does not deserve to be rotten in prison. He does not deserve to, to spend the rest of his days inside of a the, the size of a broom closet somewhere or a small bathroom somewhere by four walls. While it's good to know that the guards respect him and that the inmates respect him and that inmates, prisoners, convicts, convicted felons feel like this man should, just does not deserve to be in prison. Well, that's good to know. It's still not good, the fact that he's still there. The only thing we can do is to call the governor of Virginia and beg, ask, plead, cry out for his release. Now, I will mention this to anybody that's listening and that wants to call the governor of Virginia. Please, for the love of God, do not make death threats. Do not go there hollering and cursing and screaming. Be calm. Be civil. Call. If you want to call a bunch of times, that's on you. Call a bunch of times if you feel like it. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not telling you not to do it. At the same time, though, it's your decision. But if you make any phone calls toward these governors or different agencies and said, you heard this from Manapart Podcast, I am telling you flat out, do not make death threats. Do not call acting like a whole asshole to anybody. Please, be respectful. They're doing a job, and we need to do ours. That is to use our voices to call the governor's office and ask for Chris to be pardoned. To put pressure in the right kind of way and ask him. And to not let up. Because guess what, y'all? If we all called unified and just called all together at the same time, asking for Chris Bennett's release, where their phone lines are tied up, and we, and we tie up the phone lines of the news stations and the prison, man, we could get some stuff done. But it's all up to y'all. How much do you actually care about Chris Bennett? How much do you care about a man who was a young man who was put in prison and not justly so? Yeah, did he break into his stepfather's house? Of course. Did he try to steal the check that his stepfather had to uh, to cause him to want to bribe him to commit perjury against his own mother? Yes. 
He was going to use as use that as evidence to show the courts that this is the links that this man would do to keep those those little girls in his house, the same girls that he was hurting. And I'm and I'm pretty sure his sisters are going to be listening to it. So I didn't want to describe and go into all that because I don't want to trigger any of them. I don't want to uh, to upset them in any kind of way. That's why I haven't. That's why I haven't been as emotional or emotionally charged on these. Uh, on this interview because I know they'll probably end up listening to it. And I just want to tell you young ladies that I love you with all my heart. That what happened to you was wrong and heinous. And that what happened to Chris, in my opinion, is just as wrong and heinous. And it's a slap in the face of every survivor and every protector that protects children from these kind of monsters. You're loved. You're cared for. And we are not forgetting about Chris Bennett. I want y'all to remember that name as you go about your day. I want you to remember Christopher Bennett. Okay? He's locked up in the mountains in Virginia at a max. A max prison in the mountains. I've heard about this place. It's not a good place to be locked up in at, y'all. A lot of very violent individuals go to this place. People that just can't get right go to this place. So I'm glad to, to know that Chris is actually doing something helpful, though, and helping other prisoners, helping them get out, helping them get rehabilitated, working with them. Obviously, he has a healer spirit about himself. And he's doing good in the situation that he's in. And for that, we need somebody like that back out in the free world. To help people who are free, that knows what it's going like. He's a male survivor, y'all. It's rare to find one that wants to help. It's rare to find one that wants to speak out and speak up against what happened to them. I haven't, you know, I've had one male survivor on here. Or so far, as the time of this recording that you're listening to, that's on, that's in my catalog, I should say. Um, it's a hard thing when you have a male survivor who has to deal with rape. A lot of things, it messes with your manhood. It messes with all these feelings and emotions you got. You know, people don't believe there's male survivors of rape and pedophilia. They go, they do take it a lot harder. So if you are a male survivor and you're listening, just know I love you and I care about you. And if I could hug you, I would. I truly mean that. If I could hug you and just take away your pain and soak it all up, I would. Because what happened to you, not right. But with all that being said, it's never enjoyable to listen to some of these stories, but I hope you learned something from it. And I hope you found it, even if it's not educational, at least interesting. And I hope that you do something about it as well. If you don't use your voice to speak up, do something else. But do something. It's better than doing nothing. Protect all children, even if they're not your own. I love you. Be safe. Peace. And bye.